Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, November 5th, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news, and then we're also going to include an interview with Eternals director, Chloe Zha. My name is Ben Pearson. I am a senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film News Editor, Huai Chen Bui. Hey, everyone. All right, actually, uh, I just want to run through several news items here. We can do sort of a rapid fire thing because uh, you had a chance to speak with Chloe Zha for for Eternals. And I want to um, make sure that that's sort of like the bulk of the episode here. But uh, there are several big sort of, uh, I, I would call them newsworthy things that happened over the past, I don't know, 24 to 48 hours that I wanted to bring to people's attention. So the first up, uh, Wicked, the movie adaptation of the Broadway smash hit musical is finally coming to the big screen. And this movie has finally found two of its most important cast members. Ariana Grande and Cynthia Erivo have been cast to play the characters of Glinda and Elphaba, respectively. So Glinda is the the good witch and Elphaba becomes the Wicked Witch of the West. Uh, Wicked, for those who don't know, is um, in the most basic description of it is like a prequel to The Wizard of Oz. And it sort of uh, is told where Elphaba is like essentially a uh, misunderstood uh, yeah heroine. yeah exactly and then it, it sort of traces her uh, evolution into 
you know, what, what we consider to be the sort of evil villain figure. So, uh, AC, we were talking right before we recorded and you said that you've both read the book and seen the musical. I have seen the musical as several, several years ago, but, uh, what do you think about this casting? I know that, um, you know, people who are, uh, musical theater nerds, uh, I guess have very, very strong opinions about this based on what Twitter was doing last night, uh, when this news first came out. But what do you think about this? Yeah, I honestly raised an eyebrow at this casting, um, not because these two uh, actors are not immensely talented. I think Cynthia Erivo is incredible. She's got an incredible voice. I think that she has shown that she has some great acting chops and is kind of waiting to become a huge Hollywood star. And I feel like that's, I mean, this is a great chance for her to do that. Um, but it's a little strange to me because I think – it's also been a while since I've watched uh, Wicked the Musical, which I saw on stage on Broadway. And um, I'm they are schoolmates. They're supposed to be the same age. But I was looking this up because I was like, oh, I thought they were supposed to be the same age. There seems to be a wide age gap between Cynthia Erivo and Ariana Grande. But they're only about six years apart. Um, I think Ariana Grande just has one of those faces and like looks young forever so mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. just gonna be the case but um i think they're very talented i think uh, ariana has been gunning for this role of glinda for a while too so she has the voice for it as well um and you know kind of the the features the face the sort of overall personality for glinda mm-hmm. and uh cynthia revo i think will totally nail all the songs and honestly the performance for alphaba so you know what i'm fine with it yeah, I think I kind of am too. I, I mean, I hope that this gets people to check out Bad Times at the El Royale, which features a terrific Cynthia Erivo performance where she sings in that movie too. So if people, um, you know, don't know her from her stage work and are looking for more, uh, you know, more, of, uh, I guess, proof that she could pull off something like this, maybe go check out Bad Times at the El Royale. I also highly recommend Widows, even though she doesn't sing in that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent movie. Good stuff. All right. So then uh, Gail Garcia Bernal is going to be starring in a Werewolf by Night project, a Halloween special for Disney+. Plus. So this is under the sort of Marvel banner. I've, I had never heard of Werewolf by Night before. Are you familiar with this uh, branch of Marvel of storytelling? Okay. No. <laughs> yeah. So it's basically, um, I think it ran in the 70s. It was a comic that... Uh, it's basically just about a werewolf and he fights all sorts of supernatural creatures. He comes in, in contact with Moon Knight at certain points. Um, I was doing a the very bare minimum of research about it before I talked about it on this episode and realized that uh, in one of the Werewolf by Night comic books, um, the first appearance of the Darkhold uh, occurs. And the Darkhold, if you'll recall from WandaVision, is that evil book of spells that, it uh, also appears in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, oh, okay. So I didn't... It plays a major part in, I think, season like five or six or something. Wow. Okay. Yeah, totally missed that because I did not watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, yeah, maybe um, there will be some sort of room for WandaVision characters to make their way in. And like I mentioned, the, the Moon Knight connection that happens in the comics, maybe that character will will jump in here. So, uh, Gil Garcia Bernal, great actor. Uh, who's recently in M. Night Shyamalan's Old he, of course, is probably best known for Itumama Tambien. Uh, he's also in Mozart in the Jungle, the, the Amazon show. So, um, you know, he's, he's been around for a long time and uh, he's a welcome addition into uh, the MCU, even if it is just for a Halloween special. But I kind of think that uh, a Halloween special, even if it's not like a, a full-blown series or anything, is kind of a cool thing. Like, I know that uh, Marvel's doing this with the Christmas special, the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special that's coming up. So, 
why not? Like if you have Disney Plus as a platform, just make a bunch of a bunch of one-off things and bring a bunch of great actors and, and storytellers together and just do these little one-offs. I, I would love that. So yeah, why not? Also, he and Diego Luna are now under the Disney umbrella together, so that's kind of oh nice. yeah, that's right, that's right. Diego uh, Diego Luna coming back for the uh, what's Andor. the name of that show? Andor, yes, exactly. Casting and Andor. Uh, okay, so one other news item here is uh, a movie adaptation of a comic called The Inkall, I think is how you pronounce it. And this comic um, originated, again, in the 1970s. Uh, It was cooked up by uh, Mobius, who's a a sort of um, famous artist, and Alejandro Hodorowsky, who is like the director who almost directed your beloved Dune, HT. So Ah, Dune. uh, (laughs) Did you ever see... Uh, Hodorowsky's Dune, the documentary from I 2013. Seen, I, I'm curious, but I, but I haven't checked it out yet. Yeah, especially considering how much of a fan of both the, the book and the especially the movie you are. Um, I, I think it would just be interesting for you to watch because of like how wild Hodorowsky's take was on that material. Uh, and it's so different from the book and what we ultimately got with this new movie. Um, but he ended up, you know, he, he was famously attached to make this movie. He'd done all sorts of development work on it. The project ultimately fell apart, but he used the bones of the um, concept art and everything like that, that he was going to apply to Dune and turned it into this sprawling comic series that is, ended up becoming like one of the biggest selling sci-fi comics in history uh and now taika waititi is going to be directing a movie version of this so um you know he's seen there's a whole video of of uh Hodorowsky talking about the origins of the project and and taika talking about his involvement with it so you can watch that at the link in the show notes if you want to check that out but um i had never read this comic before i know jacob hall our our good friend and uh, uh senior news editor at slash film is um you know, a big fan of this. And and uh, I think he thinks especially that Taika is a good fit for this kind of uh, sprawling, you know, uh, spacefaring material as as has been shown in movies like Thor Ragnarok. So uh, yeah, I just wanted to put that on people's radar too. I have no idea when that project is actually going to see the light of day considering how busy Taika is, but uh, there's that. Um, okay, so two more items before we get to the interview. HT, tell me about the casting for Disney's live action Snow White movie. Yeah, uh, Disney has had, has its eyes on its gal, Gadot. <laughs> as the, yeah, I, I had to repeat the headline because it was too good. Anyways, Gal Gadot has been uh, cast uh, or is in final talks to star as the evil queen in Disney's live action Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Uh, we don't know much about the live action version, but Rachel Zegler, who has who's set to star in West Side Story, will be playing the titular Snow White. Mark Webb is going to direct, and Benji Pasek and Justin Paul are going to be composing the songs. They're best known for the songs behind La La Land, The Greatest Showman, and of course, Dear Evan Hansen. Of course, yes. Uh, so, I mean, to me, like Gal Gadot seems like she kind of has the, um, I guess, the physical attributes the of the the old school. Uh, Evil uh, yeah, evil queen character from the, the original um, Disney thing. Uh, we've talked before about how Gal Gadot does not exactly have like a super wide uh, acting range, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about this particular piece of casting? Do you think this is this kind of uh, the requirements of this role fall within what she can do well as a performer? I honestly don't know. I don't, I'm don't. i a little bit on the skeptical side because while I do like Gal Gadot in the Wonder Woman movies, I think it feeds into her um, natural, innate 
movie star qualities. Um, that that movie star quality is what kind of carried her through those movies. Uh, but like you said, she doesn't really have much of a range. And I think that with evil with the evil queen, it kind of requires someone who can really vamp and can really like chew the scenery. And I don't know if Gal Gadot is capable of that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I'm really hoping that she takes a, a playbook out of like the the Kate Blanchett book or something, and and just really like yeah studies you know all of these actors who can really lean on uh, the sort of camp of it all. Um, and I, I don't think we've seen Gal Gadot do anything like that in her career thus far. So I'm I'm certainly open to the possibility. I, I would love it if she just like crushed this role, but um, I haven't really. I guess I haven't seen anything yet that that proves like, oh, she's a slam dunk for for this kind of thing. So, uh, curious to see how that goes. I'm also. I was listening to um, the what is it called? The uh, Little Gold Men podcast, the Vanity Fair's Oscar podcast, and they mentioned recently like. Rachel Zegler, man, like she's been famous for like two years for this, for being cast in West Side Story, but like audiences still have not seen her in anything yet. Um, They've seen of her the... in those TikToks she does where she sings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, here's another part where she, I mean, she's in the, the new Shazam or is going to be in the new Shazam movie. Uh, and then also she's going to be playing Snow White in this. So uh, yeah, I, I hope everything works out for Rachel Zegler. So there's that. Uh, and then finally, uh, the real reason, AC, let's be honest, the real reason that I wanted to have you on this episode is because uh, we got some Avatar The Last Airbender news last night, and uh, you had a, a pretty strong reaction to this. So tell me about it. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> My emotions got the better of me. But uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, the live action adaptation of the beloved and perfect Nickelodeon animated series uh, has cast its villain, uh, Fire Lord Ozai, and that is Daniel Day Kim. Uh, I have mixed feelings about this because Ozai is the big bad of the season, of the show, really. Big bad of the show. And the kind of un, <laughs> un um, you know, uh, forgivable type of villain. He's just, he's just bad. He's evil. <laughs> And I don't like the idea of, of someone so evil being so hot. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a straight lie, HT. Of course you like the idea of hot and evil mixed together. Okay, that's true. But I don't... <laughs> <laughs> but I never thought about Ozai that way until now. Actually, one interesting thing is that uh, Fire Lord Ozai in the Nickelodeon animated series is voiced by Mark Hamill, and he's really good in it. He's just so good at playing those kind of really evil sinister villains as you've seen in uh in the joker in batman the animated series and Mm -hmm. he really really ups it in as lord ozai in this um in in avatar so um yeah i mean daniel day kim i love him i think he's a fantastic actor and i think he could really also vamp it up too if if called for but i'm just so i'm torn right now because i don't want ozai to be hot <laughs> yeah, I was wondering what you thought about that because you know I've seen Daniel Day Kim in, in several things, but not everything that he's been in. So I, I'm not sure if he uh, sort of in the same boat of what we're talking about with Gal Gadot. Like I, I don't think I've seen him really like um, turn up the like dial it up in such a huge way. Um, mm-hmm. And I wonder if if you think that that's something that he can sort of excel at uh, if he's you know called to do that in this portrayal of this role. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I say vamp it up and, and go up uh, over the top, but really Ozai isn't that kind of villain. Uh, one interesting thing about Avatar Last Airbender is that it doesn't really introduce him in the flesh. Like you see him in shadows. You don't see his face for like the first two seasons. Oh, and wow. then he finally emerges and, be, and is just kind of this really menacing larger than life figure um and he's just uh 
he's a bad dad and that's all you really need to know. <laughs> and just kind of one of those those figures that is immediately like, you know, just in, incredibly menacing. So I think, I feel like Dan- Daniel Day Kim could tap into that. Uh, he just needs to have the gravitas for it. Um, and I feel like, you know, if called for, he could do it. But this is just me being biased and liking Daniel Day Kim, so. Yeah, it's a cool it's piece of um, love. Oh yeah, definitely. It's a cool piece of like a uh, against type casting because you know he's uh, like in um, Ryan the Last Dragon. Like earlier this year, he was like the the beloved dad, right? Like mm-hmm. the uh, the sort of dad who stands for all that is good in the world. So it's cool to see him, um, you know, swinging off on the opposite side of the the pendulum there. So. Um, All right, so let's introduce your interview. You had a chance to speak with the director of Eternals. Yeah, I spoke with Chloe Zhao about Eternals, and I was very excited to speak with her because Nomadland was my favorite movie of 2020, and I was mostly excited to talk to her about the Western and humanity and those kind of themes that are prevalent throughout her films. And she was just like, hey, also, we're here to talk about Eternals, which was like kind of her bringing me back onto topic. But she was a great... uh, just great interview and I was really happy to speak with her and uh, um, this is my interview. So do people need to worry about spoilers for this? Because Eternals is out in theaters right now, but No spoilers. This is a spoiler-free interview. Great. All right. Here you go. Your first three films are all westerns in some way or play on the imagery of the western. Uh, What is it about the image of the American West that is so appealing to you as a filmmaker, especially having been largely raised in China and the UK? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the the Western, right? Um, I think what the Western genres intrigued people from all around the world. And I think that even that genre has referenced cinema from Asia as well. You know, we, we share similarities and it's, it's humanity's curiosity about what's beyond the horizon. And that mm-hmm. curiosity, out of that curiosity, the entire genre of movies was born. And today, since we've explored most of this planet, our curiosity about it was above us in space and our curiosity about our relationship with machines and robots, I think gave birth to the emergence of superhero genre and sci-fi films these days and that have become very popular. Uh, I can see that, that parallel actually. Yeah, I've heard the superhero genre be described as the new Western in a way, both in the sort of prolific, how prolific it is now as the Westerns were back at the height of the Western. So I think that's a very good comparison. Yeah. So there's also a deeply humanist streak that runs through your films as well. Something that comes through in Eternals, which follows our heroes as they question whether humanity is worth saving. how do you go about tackling such a big idea within the format of a superhero movie? Well, we pay tribute to Jack Kirby, who has always uh, explored very uh, the gray area of this genre. You know, the comic books are always so ahead of the movies. <laughs> and so, so Jack Kirby. And, and also, since we're talking about genres, you know, every genre after a couple of decades will naturally enter a revisionist period. And I do believe we're on the edge of that right now for superhero genre. And there's a desire from the audiences, from the filmmakers, from the studios to try to challenge and redefine some of the fundamental values that this genre is born out of. One of them is humanity is automatically worth saving. Anything that's threatening humanity is 
absolute evil and bad. Like a lion, for example, we have to kill lions off so we could be safe, right? Wilderness is dangerous. Let's chop all the trees so we can build safe houses. Are these the right thing to do? You know, so we try to explore that in an allegorical way in this film. So what do you think Eternals is in terms of that revisionist approach to the super, superhero genre? Well, for example, intellectually, right, we have the idea of challenging more, having more ambiguity in, in uh, heroism. Mm -hmm. And again, our humanity is worth saving. What does strength look like? Celebrating feminine strength, not just the traditional masculine strength in a woman. Um, things like that, you know, it's, it's just about when you've done something over and over and, and it's natural, it's almost, um, it's organic to start to say, but what if, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. So we ask a lot of those questions, what ifs? So in addition to a more location-based naturalistic form of filmmaking, you've also brought to Marvel a maturity that the MCU hasn't seen before, uh, namely the sex scene. Uh, was that something that you had to fight to include in the internals or was that something that was part of the story from the beginning and they were just happy to have that be part of the new phase of Marvel? Well, as you know, the filmmaking process from the day you write something on the page to showing to an audience, there's just many, um, <laughs> you know, people come in and ideas and, and accidents and good and bad. I, I think for this specific idea, it was in the, in the treatment, it was in the script, and we, we plan on shooting it. And then once we shot it, we edited it, we showed it to Disney, we showed it to Marvel, everyone said, oh, this is beautiful. And that's the end of the conversation. So it's actually a very smooth process. Also, if you have seen the film, you know the love for the love between these two. In a way, define the 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 fate of humanity, so of our planet. So you you I like to show them not just loving each other intellectually, emotionally, but also physically, and show a sexual encounter in a compassionate, loving way. I think is a very positive thing to do. So was there ever any pushback from Marvel for any of your filmmaking ideas or choices while making Eternals? No, because when I push, pitch the film, right, I spend half of the time talking about what this is going to be, the other half, how I want to make it. Sometimes that how is not discussed earlier on. That's big films and smaller films. If you're not honest about how you want to do it earlier on, and make sure not only they agree with you, but they're excited about it, you're going to have a problem down the line. And we've seen that, right? And, mm -hmm. and But from the beginning, everyone at Marvel was very excited about how I want to make this film and they've supported me all the way through. So given the scope of the cast, do you have any thoughts on which character might warrant a standalone you know, project either through a film or on Disney Plus? We were very much encouraged to make this as a standalone movie leave everything on the table, make a, as good of a movie as possible. And then once it's done, right now this film is more yours than mine, right? It, it's, it's really the audience's movie. We have to see how this child of ours grow in the world and to decide what the next steps are. But because they've been here on earth since the beginning, 
I like to think if there's anything in the future in the movies or uh, streaming shows that said in the past, maybe some of them can make an appearance. That would be my hope. That would be fun to watch. So now that you've dipped your toes in the blockbuster pool um, and you have other projects that are also sort of in that that field, uh, can you tell me anything about your futuristic sci-fi Dracula film? Let's just say I, 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 I'm not leaving the immortality sandbox anytime soon. <laughs> well, speaking of sandbox, anything else in the blockbuster big budget area that you uh, dream of directing, either franchises or original movies? Maybe. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> well, I do want to say that... Um, uh, actually, one, I have another question. Is that I know that Eternals was wrapping as you're doing the press circuit for Nomadland. Uh, yeah. Did you, were you able to, to get a final edit on Eternals uh, despite like the awards craziness? Let me tell you something. We finished Eternals last week. Wow. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't end. The, I think I believe the term we love is called plussing. You have to drag me out of the DI room, the edit room. You know, you have to drag me out of there because I will not stop <laughs> <laughs> until I have to show it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for speaking with me. This is such a pleasure. And um, so much. I'm, yeah, I'm really excited about any, all the future projects you have and also Eternals coming out hey. to the rest of the world. Thank you so much. All right. That was awesome. Thanks, HT. And I, I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. You can find more about all these stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you on Monday. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER and partnership with MGM Northfield Park.